Those people once again said, praise the Lord. Well, you may be reseated this morning. I don't know about you, but I love this time of the year. I love it. I love the changing of the season, the break from, from the heat. I love the trees, or the leaves on the trees that, that begin to turn beautiful fall colors. But more than this or a lot of other things I could talk about this morning, most of all, I love the Thanksgiving season. Now, I understand this morning, and I don't need you to say amen to this this morning, but I have more than my share of faults. I'm aware of them, and some of you remind me from time to time. I have more than my share of of faults, but let me tell you that ungratefulness is not one of them. You are looking and listening to a very grateful person. God has been incredibly good to me, and I know it, and daily I give praise and thanksgiving to God. For some of you, thanksgiving is just a time of year. For some of you, it may only be one day out of the year. But for me, I practice every single day being grateful and thankful because I am. Well, this morning we're going to begin a three-part series I'm simply calling Thankful. Thankful. We're going to begin this morning by talking about some reasons to be thankful. Do you have any reasons to be thankful this morning? Let me just give you four this morning. Just four this morning. Number one this morning, we should be thankful for our faith. I don't know, but it just seems that for far too many saints, their attitude toward God is, what have you done for me lately? Here's how I see it this morning. If God never does anything else for me, if he never does another thing for me, what he did for me on the cross was enough. Because, you see, I was lost. You see, I was a hopeless sinner. You see, I was on my way to hell. You see, there was absolutely nothing that I could do to save myself. And yet, what I could never, ever do for myself, Jesus did for me when he died on the cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 says, I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ, because it is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. He goes on to say, the good news tells us how God made us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Can I tell you today that I have one very big reason to be thankful. One incredibly unbelievable reason to be thankful. And it's regardless of my health. And it's regardless of my net worth. And it's regardless of where I live or what I drive. Or whether or not my clothes have a designer label in them. 
One thing and one thing alone this morning is enough to praise the Lord 24-7. Oh, the fact that I'm saved. Oh, the fact that I am on my way to heaven and not on my way to hell. That and that alone causes me to be incredibly thankful today. 2 Corinthians 9 and 15 says, Thank God for this gift to wonderful four words. Do you have anything to be thankful for this morning? Reason number two this morning we can be thankful, that is our family. Our family. Now, you might say, Pastor, if you only knew my family, (laughs) you would not be telling me to be thankful for them if you only knew about my family. Did you hear about the woman that reported her husband missing to the police? And the policeman asked her for a description of her husband. And so she said, well, he's six foot two. Weighs 185 pounds. He is buff. Ripped. He's even tempered. Everybody loves him. He's a loving husband. He's an attentive father. Her friend who was standing beside her said, what? (laughs) Who are you describing? She said, your husband is short and he's fat and he's bald-headed and he has a terrible temper. (laughs) That's right, she said, but who in the world wants him back? Maybe, you, maybe the home that you grew up in or maybe the home that you now have is not all that it should be. Maybe it's not all that you would want it to be. The good news is that as the people of God, we have two families. We have two families. We have our natural family that we were born into. But we also have our Christian family. We have our church family. And in some instances, our church family is better than our natural family. You see, because unlike our natural family, we, we get to choose our church family. Paul, in writing to the church of Ephesus, says in chapter 1 and verse 16, he said, I, I have not stopped think, thanking God for all of you. I love what the wisdom writer writes in Proverbs chapter 68 and verse number 6. He says, he says, God places the lonely in families. God places the lonely in families. Now, now our vision at the Grace Place, and you will hear this until you are sick of it, but our vision at the Grace Place is to be caring people, caring for people. At the Grace Place, we want to cultivate an atmosphere of caring. For the past 30 plus years of my 41 years of full-time ministry, I have watched God send to me and send to my wife the wounded, the hurting, the disillusioned. As I look back the last 30 plus years, that, that those are the kinds of people that God has sent us to and has sent people to us 
that way. Just this past Wednesday night in youth service, I attended youth service this past Wednesday night. And let me just say it was incredible in there. Man, the sound in there was awesome. The sound in there was awesome. The decor is awesome. The atmosphere is incredible. Man, that little worship team in there, and especially those two girls, man. Wow-wee. Heidi and Paige, man, they're awesome. They're 14 years old. It was awesome. Hey, and, 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 and Pastor Pepper back there also, he, he did a pretty good job too. Well, I got salt and pepper. He's pepper. But just this past Wednesday night in youth service, he didn't know I was going to be in there, but just this past Wednesday in youth service, I heard our very own youth pastor, I heard him tell the, the, the kids, uh, and I heard him say that when he came to us, now he didn't tell me this in the interview, but he told the kids, he said that when he came to our church to be youth pastor four and a half years ago, he said, I came wounded. He said, I, I came hurt. He said, I came disillusioned. He said, I came disappointed in my former ministry leaders and my former church. And he went on to tell them how that in the past four and a half years, he and his wife have been fully restored. What am I saying? I'm saying that no matter what your natural family is or was like, God places the lonely. He, he places the bruised. He places the hurting. He places the disillusions. He takes them and he places them in a family. No, not their family, but he places them in his family, the church. God will not place the hurting in just any church. I heard a pastor say one time that he was praying and he was asking God why all the churches around him were growing besides his church. That his church was not growing, that he was getting nobody into his church. He was getting no visitors. No new people were showing up at his church. And he was asking God why God was sending, his, sending people to everybody else but wasn't sending any people to him. And he said he heard God say, I love them too much to send them to your church. I love them too much to send them to your church. You see, God will not send the hurting to just any church. He loves them too much. He's very, very particular about where he places the wounded. Oh, listen, let me say it again. Caring people, caring for people. Oh, it must become more than a catchy slogan. It must become our DNA. We're going to have to prove to God that we are trustworthy. We're going to have to prove to God that he can, he can trust us with the hurting. We're going to have to prove to him that we're not going to shoot the wounded. Rather, we will lovingly and gently and patiently care for them and nurse them back to health. Psalms 27 verse 10 says that when my father and my mother forsake me. Oh, can you imagine a father or a mother forsaking their very own? But it happens every day. The psalmist said when my father and my mother forsake me, he says, then the Lord will take care of me. But here's what I've come to know, and that is God uses people. To care for other people. 
if you have a bad home life, if your family is not all that it ought to be or all that you desire for it to be, God, God wants to take care of you this morning. And the fact that you are here today tells me that He wants to place you in this family. He places the lonely in families. Oh, this is a family today. This is the Grace Place family. And I believe that somebody is here today and you are lonely or discouraged or, or you're bruised or you're beaten up or you're bleeding or you're hurting today. You're in the right place today. You've got people around you that care today. This can be your family today. We will receive you. We will accept you. Amen. We will love you this morning. We will open our arms to you today. Oh, hear me. The Grace Place, Grace Place family. Oh, 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 we want to love you. We want to we nurture you. We want to encourage you. We want to we teach you. We want to train you. We want to restore you. We're talking about reasons for thankfulness today. Our family is a good reason to be thankful. I am so blessed personally to have an incredible family. My wife of 41 years is beautiful and talented and supportive. She's as close to Wonder Woman as any woman I know. Just two weeks ago, she was in the hospital with pleurisy, with pneumonia, with a partially collapsed lung. And all she tried to do was to get out of that place, trying to figure out how she could get out of, out of that hospital room, out of that hospital bed, and get to work and help move New Bethel into the Grace Place. My son is awesome. He calls me his hero. Amber, his wife, is like a daughter. They're two girls, my munchkins. They just don't come any sweeter or loving than Briley and Addie. And my daughter is wonderful. Oh, oh, I am absolutely amazed at what God is doing in and through her life. My son in love, Sean. Everybody likes Sean. He's the perfect match for my daughter. And then there's Eliana, the bug. My youngest granddaughter. Oh, don't even get me started. I have such an incredible family. I am truly a blessed man. But I also have an unbelievable church family. My staff is incredible. Don't tell them I said that. They'll want a raise. They'll want a bigger bonus. They want better benefits. But they are. They are. They're all weird in their own way. They're all different in their own way. But man, man, the staff that has been assembled at the Grace Place, it is unbelievable. It really is. My deacons. I'm about to go to a little pastor's meeting. 
And there's going to be some deacon bashing at the pastor's meeting. Oh, not up front, not by the speaker, but in the little huddles, the little holy huddles. And I'm going to tell you something. There's some mean deacons out there. There's some power-hungry deacons out there. But not at the grace place. The last ten and a half years, it's just amazing. Every single one. And I've, I mean, in ten and a half years, it's come full circle now. Man, you know, some pastors, they dread that deacon meeting. Man, they dread it. I never dread the deacon meeting. It's awesome. The unity that we have. I'm blessed. Blessed. Oh, oh, the members, oh, the members at the Grace Place, they are so loving, they are so kind, they are so encouraging to me. Well, I've got so much to be thankful for. Amen? My natural family and my church family. Notice another reason to be thankful for. That is, we need to be thankful for our finances. I've got good news, and I've got some bad news. The good news is, everybody in this room today is rich. Some of you say, Pastor, I knew you were losing your hearing, but are you losing your sight too? Let me say it again this morning. The good news is everybody in this room today is rich. The bad news is most of you don't know you're rich. Let me prove that you're rich this morning. Let me prove you're rich this morning. I got, I got two one, one dollar bills. Two one dollar bills. Hey, this room is nearly full. No fights broke out. <laughs> Nobody dove for the money. I promise you there will not be one person that will post on Facebook all this afternoon that pastor went crazy today. Man, he was throwing away money. <laughs> Two one dollar bills. No big deal. I couldn't even get the teenagers excited. <laughs> but let me tell you this morning, all, though I threw down two one dollar bills, it was no big deal to anybody in this room. And yet over three billion, yes with a B, three billion people in the world today will work all day long for less than the two dollars I just threw on the floor. So let me tell you this morning that if you make more than $2 a day, you make more money than over half of the people in the world. Listen to this this morning. The average salary in America today is around $35,000 a year, depending on what part of the country you live in. But 
but approximately the, the average sal- salary today for one person is $35,000 a year. If you or you and your spouse together make over $35,000 a year, then you are in the top 4% of wage earners in the whole world. Guess what you call the top 4% of wage earners in the world? You call them rich. Turn to your neighbor and say you're sitting next to a rich person. Listen to this this morning. If you or you and your spouse together make $45,000 a year or more, you are in the top 1% of all wage earners in the entire world. The top 1%. That's according to the standard of the entire world. That makes you rich. The good news is we're rich. The bad news is most of us don't know we are. Oh, no. We sit around watching cable television and eating pizza that a delivery man brought to our door and talk about how we don't have anything and how poor we are. Let me read you the description of a rich person. This comes from a person from a third world country. If this is not an eye-opener, I don't know what is. This person from the third world country wrote this, that some people are so rich, they own a car. Oh, not many, mind you. Only about 3% of the people alive today own a car. But 3% of them, they own a car. Some of them, though they're so rich, this this will blow your mind. They have two of them. Two of them. One and another one. He writes, I know that blows your mind, but but that's how rich they are. And some people, some of these people, they're, they're so rich, they have a house for their car. Oh, yeah, yeah. When there are so many people that don't even have a home, these rich people, these rich people, they, they have homes for their cars. They call them garages. And, and they park their cars inside them to protect them from the elements. And, and, and some people, some people, they even have three car garages. One for both their cars and a, and a third garage for all their junk. That's how rich they are. And some people, some, they are so rich, they even buy cars for their kids. Then what do they do? They get in these cars, these rich people, and they drive by like, like 20 or 30 of these things called restaurants. And they talk about how these restaurants are not any good. And they fight over which ones to go to. 
And, and they are so rich that, that they go places and they pay people to make their food. That's how rich they are. And some of them, they are so rich, they eat more food than they actually need. <laughs> they're, the ratchet, they're the fat rich people. I, I'm just reading this. Oh, oh yeah, uh, I mean, not to mention there are all of those people starving all over the world, but, but, but these rich people, they just eat and eat and eat and eat just because they can. And, and some of these rich people have what they call closets. Closets. And, and some of them have what they call walk-in closets. You walk in them and you do like exercises in them. They're so big. And, and some of them are so rich they even have one of these closets for the man and one for the woman. I, I know, I know, but it's true. I've seen these, okay? Not only all these closets, but all these clothes. And, and the clothes are like two stories of clothes. Because there's a bottom story of clothes, and then there's a second story of clothes. And, and, and these rich people, they walk in and, and they'll look at all these clothes and they'll touch all these clothes and they'll say things like, I just don't have anything to wear. That's what rich people do. I've, I, I, I've, okay, okay. I've never seen that with my, with my own eyes. No, no, no. But I've heard about it. Okay. It might be funny, but it's an eye opener. Hebrews thirteen and five says to be satisfied with what you have. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 8 says that if you have enough food to eat and you have enough clothes to wear, to be content with what you have. You see, the truth of the matter is most of us have today what, what, what we one time said, oh, if I only had this or if I only had that or if I only had something else, I'd be happy. It might have been a maid, it might have been a house, it might have been a car, it might have been a child, it might have been a position, it might have been a certain salary. Yesterday, yesterday we said if I only had. Today we have what we wish for. But I ask you this morning, are we happy? Are we content? Are we thankful for what we have? You've heard me say many times about my wife and I, how that we got married at the ridiculous age of 17, and what was even crazier than that, at the age of 17, my wife and I began to pastor our first church handful of little widow ladies in the church living off of the widow's might. I can remember, because, you know, some of you, well, Pastor, you don't know what you're talking about. Man, you got it, you know, you got things, you got it going on, man. You got everything. You, yeah, let me tell you something. Let me start out this way. I can remember, Pastor, that little bit of church, I can remember, I can remember not having enough money to fill the gas tank with gas. I can remember it was a, it was something I, I I didn't have enough money to put to fill the gas tank with gas, and so I would just put two or three dollars at a time in the gas tank. I'll never forget. I'll never forget when I could finally afford to fill my gas tank all the way up with gas. I felt rich. 
I'll never forget when I could finally afford to take my wife out to a real restaurant. We still had to eat the special. But I'll never forget when I could finally afford to take my wife out to a real restaurant, one that didn't have giant yellow M in front of it. I'll never forget when I didn't have to wonder anymore if I was going to have enough money to buy groceries for the week or not. I'll never forget dreaming about where I am today and wondering, is it ever going to happen to me? Some of you this morning, you need to roll back the clock and you need to look back over your shoulder for just a moment this morning. Oh, you need to see where you were and see where you are today. Oh, oh you need to understand and, uh, and look and find out and see just how far God has taken you. And if you'll look back over your shoulder and see where you were and see where you are now and see how good that God has been to you, just maybe, maybe, just maybe you can stop grumbling for a moment about things and start thanking God for all of His abundant blessing that He has blessed you with. Psalm 100, verse 1 through 5. Psalm 100, verse 1 through 5 says, To make a joyful shout to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God, and it is He that has made us. We're not, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise, and be thankful to Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good, and His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Is there anybody this morning that thinks you've got a reason, you've got something to be thankful for today? Not only should we be thankful for our faith and faithful for, thankful for our family and thankful for our finances, but we also need to be thankful for our future. Let's talk first of all about our future here. Now when you look with natural eyes and recognize the economical downturn, you see the layoffs that are around us, you see the unemployment, you see the medical insurance fiasco. For the first time in the history of America, for the first time in the history of America, today's generation does not have the hope of a better tomorrow than previous generations. Every generation in the past has always had hope to believe that they would make more money, acquire more stuff, do more than the previous generation. But for the first time in America, the generation today does not have the same hope that the rest of us have had in the past. Somebody had a bumper sticker that read, Due to the present economy, the light at the end of the tunnel has been turned off. Well, if you were to look with natural eyes, you might wonder about my admonition to be thankful for your future. But the truth of the matter is this morning, for the people of God, our future is bright. Jeremiah 29 and 11, God says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Notice these words, plans, prosper, future, hope. 
Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all of your need according unto his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Matthew 6, verse 31 through 33 says, Don't worry about your physical needs. God knows what your needs are. But instead, place him first on your list of priorities, and he will make sure that all of your needs are met. But not only should we be thankful for our future here, but we also should be thankful for our future in heaven. Oh, we don't talk about heaven very much anymore. Oh, oh, when I was growing up, it seemed like every other sermon was either about the rapture or it was about heaven. Today, we don't talk about heaven very much anymore. But heaven is still real. Let's not forget about heaven. Oh, let's not forget that serving Jesus is not just about this life, but we also have eternal life to look forward to. So very briefly, this morning let me just briefly mention four benefits of heaven. Four benefits of heaven. Number one is the Savior. The Savior. Can you even imagine what it's going to be like to finally see Jesus. You've heard about Jesus all of your life. Oh, oh, maybe the first song you ever learned as a little kid was Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Have you ever thought what it's going to be like? To see Jesus, oh, oh, the one that saved you. Oh, I've heard people say, when I get to heaven, I've got a few questions to ask Jesus. I'm going to ask him, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Oh, oh, Jesus, why did you let me go through that? Jesus, why did you make me go through something else? Jesus, I asked you to get me out and you didn't. Jesus, why? 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 I doubt it. I really really doubt it see I believe that just to look into the face of Jesus just to look into the face of the one that saved you the one that bought you the one that paid the price for you the one oh oh that made it available for you to go just one look into the face of Jesus Christ amen I think it's going to be enough Oh, I love the words of that old, old song. It'll date me, but I love it anyway. Oh, maybe some of the greatest words that have ever been penned by a gospel writer. Oh, the song was, it will be worth it all. And the words to me that are some of the greatest words that have ever been penned by any gospel writer is this. And the songwriter says, one glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. Oh, oh, you're not going to have any questions. You're not going to ask Jesus why. Just one glimpse, just one glimpse, friend. Oh, not a hundred years, not a thousand years, not ten thousand years in his presence. But one glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. Oh, I'm telling you, heaven's going to be worth it because Jesus is going to be there. Another benefit is the saints. All of us have family members and friends that have died serving Jesus. We know that they're in the presence of the Lord. We know that they're in heaven. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Thanksgiving dinner doesn't taste quite as good as it used to because 
of the empty chair that's at the table. The friend, heaven will provide the greatest family reunion we have ever attended. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18 tells us that, that one day we're all going to be together in that land far away called heaven. And the Bible says that we're going to be there and we're always going to be with the Lord. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? Maybe you've got a mama or a daddy. Maybe you've got a, oh, a family member or a friend. Oh, they've gone on before you. Oh, 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 your heart is heavy and oh, oh, you weep for them and you grieve for them. But can you imagine what heaven is going to be like? Oh, when we gather together together once and for all and never ever are we to part again and then another benefit of heaven is the spread ha ah, ah the spread the bible talks about the marriage supper of the lamb Ooh, i'm glad that bible does not talk about the marriage snack I grew up in Oklahoma. Pray for me. But I've lived in Texas over half of my life now, so I'm really a Texan. When I was growing up in Oklahoma, it was breakfast, dinner, and supper. And supper was the main meal. I mean, we might have a sandwich for dinner. But come supper. Come supper. The Bible calls it the marriage supper of the Lamb. I've requested fajitas with guacamole and chips and queso for the menu. And then there are the sights. I've seen a lot of sights in my 58 years. I've seen a lot of beauty. Remember, I lived in West Texas for 20 years. No, I didn't see the beauty there. <laughs> Saw a lot of beautiful people there. Always told the people, I said, you know, if we lived in a beautiful place, where would we go for vacation? People that live in beautiful places, where do they go for vacation? We live out here. Anywhere we go is beautiful. So anytime we leave here, we're on vacation. I've seen a lot of sights in my 58 years. Oh, oh, I've seen the redwood forest. Oh, I've seen the oceans. Oh, I've seen, I've seen the mountains. I've been to most of the 50 states, including Hawaii. Oh, I've been to many, many countries all around the world. Listen, God did good when he made our world. And yet, according unto the word of God in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9, we haven't seen anything yet. The Bible said, eye has not seen and ear has not heard. And it's not entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. I'm telling you, I'm still on my way to heaven this morning. Amen. I still believe that there is heaven waiting on me. And I believe that there's still some benefits in heaven. Oh, listen, I don't want to make heaven out of this world. Amen. But the same God that made this world made the world to come. And he did good with this world. Can you imagine what he has done in the world? to come. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise in his house today? We could get the musicians and singers back in place this morning. I'm 41 minutes and 30 seconds into this message. I have a timer up in the right hand corner of that screen in the back. Don't look back there. I'm going to put, I'm the only one that has it. 
And I'm going to put below that screen, remember Lot's wife. Don't look back. But they started it too soon. You can't start till I start preaching. Today is sermon one of a three-part series I'm simply calling Thankful. At the end of this sermon series on Sunday, November the 24th, we're going to receive what I'm calling a miracle Thanksgiving offering. This offering must be above what we are presently doing in tithe or missions or any other offering. We need $50,000 to finish paying bills, to furnish the grace place and set set us up financially for the future. I believe that we can take care of this with this one miracle Thanksgiving offering. I'm going to ask as many of you who possibly can to give a minimum, say minimum. Some of you can't even say a minimum. A minimum of $1,000, as many as you as possibly can. Now, some of us has already given $12,000. Some of us, one person has already given $17,000, if my math is correct. And some people have given I understand the Pareto principle. The Pareto principle is that 20% of the people do 80% of the work and 20% of the people give 80% of the money. It's a principle. It, it's in business. It's at church. It's at school. That's the way it is. Sad. That's the way it is. Some of us are that 20%. And I need you to do the best you can. Some of you in that 20% have not done the best you could do. You haven't. I'm sorry. You haven't. We'll give you another opportunity to do the best you can. Then others, 500 or 250 or 100. It's a thanksgiving offering. I'm not asking you to give to this building. I'm not asking you to give to these fabulous lights and sound system and all this stuff that we have I'm asking you to give with a thankful heart do you have anything to be thankful for do you have anything to be thankful for if you do I'm going to ask you to bring a thanksgiving offering and we're going to all do the best that we can and We're going to put it all together. And I believe with all my heart it's going to be enough. It's going to be enough. It's going to be enough. Everybody standing with me this morning. Has God been good to you? Has God been good to your family? 
Are you thankful for the grace place? Are there any of the ministries of this church that have been a blessing to you? Has there been any of the ministries of this church that has been a blessing to your family, your children, your grandchildren, your brothers, your sisters, your mother, your father? The altar call this morning is, I just want everyone to come. I want us all to come this morning. And we're not going to ask God for not one cotton-picking thing. We're just going to come here this morning. And we're just going to tell God all of the things that we're thankful for. Come on, get out here this morning. Come on, everybody, everyone coming forward this morning. Get as close as you possibly can so others can come in this morning. and Everyone can get closer. This morning, I just want you, from the very depth of your heart today, I just want you to just start just start thanking the Lord. Thank you, first of all, for your salvation. Oh, oh, there's nothing in all of the world to be more thankful for than simply the blood of Jesus Christ, the grace of the mercy of Almighty God that saves us. Just start listing it this morning. See how many things you can list. Just start telling the Lord, Lord, I'm thankful for this, and I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful for this and that. And just start naming them, naming them, naming them, one after the other, after the other, after the other. Just start thanking God, thanking God. Enter into His presence with thanksgiving. Oh, enter into His presence, thanking Him and blessing Him this morning. Come on, come on, tell Him how grateful you are, how thankful you are. Open up your heart this morning. Start listing those things that you are thankful for. ready worship team lead us this morning
Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus.
Hallelujah. Father, we have so much to be thankful for. Thank you for everything that you have given to us and blessed us with. Lord, we praise you today. We honor you today. And most of all, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.